How about those freaking Jaguars, man? Y'all got to say it with me. You don't got to say it out loud, but at least say it in your head. Three, two, one. Duval! The Jacksonville Jaguars are your AFC South champions for the first time since 2017. They beat the Tennessee Titans 20-16, and they will advance to the NFL playoffs. You guys don't know how big this win is, not just for this franchise, but for the city of Jacksonville. I don't know how many of you guys were in attendance at this game, but if you were, let me know what the atmosphere was at TIA Bank Field. Because when I was watching this game on TV, this was one of the loudest home crowds that I have ever heard in all my years watching Jacksonville Jaguars football. Like, this city, these fans deserve a huge round of applause because they showed up and they showed out in this game. The home crowd definitely had a huge impact and the Jaguars winning this game. For Mike Vrabel, you have to be feeling incredibly upset right now because this game was the way that you wanted it to go. This was Tennessee style of football. They outgained the Jacksonville Jaguars on the ground. They controlled time of possession, and yet they still were unable to get the win. Tennessee did damn near everything possible that they needed to do to win this game. They held the Jacksonville Jaguars offense in check. Trevor Lawrence didn't look like the Trevor Lawrence that we have seen from the last couple of weeks. Not saying that he played a bad game, but he definitely had a couple of missed throws there. This Tennessee Titans defense, even though they weren't getting pressure on Trevor Lawrence all night, their interior of their defensive line was eating on the interior of the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, you had Weaver who was making plays. The Tennessee Titans defense, I was surprised at how well they were able to play in this game. And of course, you knew that Tennessee was going to show up for this ball game. There was no way that the Jaguars were going to come in and do the Titans the same way they did a couple of weeks ago when they blew them out on the road in Tennessee. This is a Tennessee Titans team that despite all the injuries they had, they fought to the very end of this game. And for a while, I was starting to think that the Jaguars were going to lose this game and that the moment was too big for them. You go into halftime, Joshua Dobbs looks really good. He led a really impressive two-minute drive that gave the Titans a 13-7 lead going into the break. And then you come out after halftime, and that's when the Jacksonville Jaguars really started to take control of this game. But not because of their offense. Their defense won this game for them. And this is the kind of performance that you want to see out of your team when your young quarterback kind of isn't able to come through for you tonight. Okay, now Trevor Lawrence and company, they still play well enough to get the Jacks to win, but this defense is the main story of this win. I mean, the two takeaways that they forced in the second half of this game were absolutely big. 
You have the interception. Then you have the fumble, which turned to a scoop and score touchdown, which ultimately sealed the win for Jacksonville. And once Jacksonville was able to get that scoop and score touchdown, at that moment, you kind of already saw that Tennessee's fate was sealed. Tennessee is the kind of offense that they're not built to score fast or quick. They're the kind of offense that likes to be methodical, take their time going up and down the field. In the first quarter, right, Tennessee got the ball on their second drive with 11 minutes and 22 seconds to go in the first quarter, right? Do you know how much time was left in the first quarter when they gave the Jaguars back the ball after that possession? One minute and 23 seconds. The Titans had literally a 10-minute drive in the first quarter. And for Jacksonville, all right, you have that fumble, which was outside of the red zone, which they were trying to get a little creative. And you kind of think that when you go back and you rewatch that play, that maybe Trevor Lawrence could have handed it off. Maybe he didn't have to pitch it the way that he did. But that was a really big mistake for the Jaguars at a very unopportune time. When you're playing the Tennessee Titans, you cannot afford to turn the football over. And you definitely cannot afford to come up empty as many times as the Jaguars did in this game. The Tennessee Titans are the kind of team that you definitely have to take care of the ball every single possession because you never know when your next opportunity is going to come. You saw what Tennessee did early in the first quarter. They held the ball for pretty much the whole entire first quarter. So if you're Jacksonville... With you playing a team that loves to run the ball control style offense, you got to make your possessions count every single one you get. It's just that for Jacksonville, their offense left a lot of points on the board in this game. This game could have been Jacksonville 31, Tennessee 16 very easily. Trevor Lawrence missed a couple of throws. The offensive line in the second half, although it wasn't a performance where they played bad, they did have some moments where on the interior, the defensive line of Tennessee was able to get the upper hand. But although Trevor Lawrence didn't play one of his best games, this wasn't a bad performance. This was a pretty solid performance. It's just when you compare this game to the previous ones over the last, what, three to four weeks that Trevor Lawrence has played in. He's played at a really high level. This game kind of was the one that we thought was going to be the coming out party for Trevor Lawrence. We thought this was going to be the Dallas Cowboys game times two. But the Jaguars won with their defense. And that's what you want to see when you have a young quarterback. You want your team being able to find ways to win despite him not playing his best game. And that's what the Jaguars were able to do. Their defense came up incredibly big in this game. Last remaining drives, Tennessee's offense couldn't really do anything. As a matter of fact, they didn't really move the ball all that much in the second half. And who would have thought that if the Jaguars were going to win this game, it was going to be because of their defense. If this game was going to be close, we would have thought that it would have came down to a Trevor Lawrence game-winning drive to get Jacksonville into the postseason, not the defense stepping up the way they did. So happy 
to be from the city of Jacksonville. And no, I'm not a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. It's just that I spent the majority of my whole entire life and childhood in the city of Jacksonville. So I do have to root for Jacksonville. Even though I am a Steelers fan, I do root for the Jaguars on the side because Jacksonville is the city that raised me. And being 20 years old right now, living in the city of Jacksonville since I was four years old, I think the Jaguars have only been good two times in my whole entire lifetime. And with Jacksonville making it to the playoffs this year, I think this is the beginning of what could be a really long decade of success for Jacksonville moving forward with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson at the helm at quarterback and head coach. For Tennessee, you end the season on, I don't want to say a completely low note, even though you are going into the offseason on a seven-game winning streak. I mean, I don't think you have anything to feel ashamed of. You fall hard in this game. Like I said to start this segment earlier, if you were to look at the box score without seeing the final score, you would have thought Tennessee won this game. This was Tennessee football that we saw tonight. They did everything that they needed to do to win outside of taking care of the football. I mean, Joshua Dobbs played as good as what you expect him to play for somebody who hasn't really spent all that much time with the franchise. As a matter of fact, I probably would say that Joshua Dobbs, once again, exceeded expectations with his performance in this ball game. Going into halftime, there was a point during the game where he had completed, what, eight, nine straight consecutive passes? I mean, the dude was on fire. He was good on third down. And then the second half came around, and the wheels just completely fell off the rails for the Tennessee Titans offense. Outside of Aconquero and Traylon Burks and Derrick Henry, this team had a really hard time moving the football. Going into the offseason, you definitely know where Tennessee needs to get stronger at. I think they probably just need to go ahead and revamp the whole entire offensive line. Just go ahead, revamp it. You got a backup quarterback in Josh Dobbs, that's for sure. What do you do with Malik Willis? We don't know. But if you're a Titans fan, I don't think you have anything to be upset about or to be ashamed of. You fought hard in this game. It's just when the game got close or when palms got sweaty and chest got tight, Tennessee couldn't make the big plays when it mattered. And Jacksonville did. You knew that Mike Vrabel and this team were going to come in and they were going to be a tough out for Jacksonville. You knew that Tennessee just wasn't going to come in this game and roll over even though they were playing on the road and a very loud and rowdy TIA Bank stadium or field, whatever they call it. So, I mean, I don't think anybody should be surprised by what the final score was. If you thought that the Jaguars were going to come into this game and roll Tennessee then you haven't been watching too much Tennessee Titans football. This is the same Tennessee Titans team that went on the road to Arrowhead and took the Kansas City Chiefs to overtime with Malik Willis at quarterback. That should tell you everything that you need to know about the kind of team that Tennessee is. 
I think that no team in the NFL embodies the personality and the identity of their head coach better than the Tennessee Titans, and you saw it in this game. This was a fantastic game. May not have been a lot of great plays from an offensive standpoint, but if you're a fan of defense, you had to enjoy this game. This was one of my favorite games of all year to watch, and I'm probably going to end up watching it a couple of more times tomorrow and over the offseason. That's how much I enjoy watching this game. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are your AFC South champions going to the playoffs for the first time since 2017 for one last time of the regular season. Can I get a Duval? The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to the playoffs, baby. So on my previous segment that I did talking about the potential of Sean Payton getting traded to the Arizona Cardinals, could it happen? There was a subscriber who commented under that segment and said that this ain't happening unless Arizona coughs up that fourth overall pick and others. I disagree with that. Yes, the New Orleans Saints won a first round pick in exchange for Sean Payton, but let's be honest, how much leverage do the Saints really have in this situation? Sean Payton, I'm pretty sure, already has his list of teams that he's willing to get traded to. So it's not like Mickey Loomis and the Saints can just trade him to Denver if Sean Payton doesn't want to coach in Denver. If Sean Payton gets traded anywhere, he's going to have a say-so. Mickey Loomis and said team that Sean Payton wants to get traded to, they're going to come together and they're going to discuss a trade package. But if they can't come to terms on a deal for Sean Payton, then for New Orleans, it's kind of a L on their part. Yeah, the other team won't get Sean Payton, but I mean, there's other head coaches out there. Meanwhile, for New Orleans... You're a team right now that needs a quarterback, and you need all the drive compensation that you can get. So therefore, if Sean Payton doesn't get traded, he can just go back into retirement and say, you know what, I'm good. I'll just wait until I'm able to come back and pick and choose whichever team I want to coach for without having to get traded. So for New Orleans, you only have set amount of time that you retain Sean Payton's rights until you end up allowing him to walk away from nothing. And if you're the Arizona Cardinals, here's how you go about this situation. If you're able to hold on to that fourth overall pick, is there really any prospect there who's going to be worth that selection who can have an immediate impact right away because if you're drafting a player in the top five you're looking for an elite caliber player at that position and a franchise changing a franchise changing player there if Bryce Young is off the board he goes to Houston right that leaves Will Anderson and Jalen Carter on the board they're probably going to go back to back Seattle Chicago however the draft order goes and however those players go off the board so at that point who's next on the board for Arizona to select there's not really any outstanding cornerbacks who you should draft in the top five or either the top 10 there's not really a great pass rusher there who you could take with that fourth overall selection unless Will Anderson is still there and you're not in the market for a quarterback so the best thing for Arizona to do with that fourth overall selection if they're able to hold on to it or even a top five pick is to trade down 
tried to acquire more first round selections because a lot of teams are going to be willing to give the Arizona Cardinals a lot of compensation in exchange for potentially that fourth overall selection. You got to remember, Bryce Young is expected to be the first quarterback off the board to Houston. So think about how many teams are going to want to trade up for CJ Stroud. If the Arizona Cardinals can walk away with two or three first round picks, you take one of those first round selections and you send them in a trade to New Orleans and you get Sean Payton. But under no circumstance should Arizona trade away the fourth overall selection for Sean Payton because you really don't have to. You go back to that John Gruden trade when he got traded from the Raiders to Tampa Bay. In return, the Raiders got two first round picks, two second round picks, and $8 million in cash from Tampa in exchange for John Gruden. But you got to remember this. When you look back at that trade, Tampa Bay gave up so much because John Gruden at the time was such a hot commodity when it came to the head coaching world. He was coming off a fantastic year that season before he got traded to Tampa Bay, I believe. The game they lost in the playoffs was the tuck rule game to the Patriots and Tom Brady. He goes to Tampa Bay and wins the Super Bowl his first season there. So, of course, Tampa Bay gets what they wanted in the trade. They got a Super Bowl out of it. You look at Sean Payton, his final season in New Orleans, though, it was a 9-8 season, which definitely wasn't bad considering the circumstances there. He didn't really have a great group of receivers. You had Jameis Winston, that quarterback, and then once he went down, you were playing kind of musical chairs at the position. So for the Arizona Cardinals, yes, New Orleans wants a first-round selection for Sean Payton, but I don't think you have to give up the fourth overall pick. I think there is a smarter way to go about getting Sean Payton. You trade down, you try to acquire more first-round picks. Ideally, you want three first-round selections, okay? When the 49ers traded up for that selection, the draft, Trey Lance, they gave up a boatload of picks. If you are the Arizona Cardinals, you can get that kind of capital for that fourth overall selection, then try to use one of those picks to send to New Orleans and get Sean Payton. But I don't think... The Cardinals have to give up a fourth round pick for Sean Payton. As a matter of fact, you know, I still believe that Sean Payton has the majority of leverage in this situation. If you're in New Orleans, you have to be able to get some compensation for Sean Payton before he walks away. Because if that contract ends up running out and he can go to whichever team he wants to, you're really about to let one of the greatest head coaches of all time, a future Hall of Fame coach, walk away and get no compensation in return because you want to play hardball? Can Mickey Loomis and the Saints really play hardball in this situation? I mean, they can. But, I mean, do you really want to allow Sean Payton to walk away without some kind of compensation? So it's like, if the Saints get a first-round pick, I don't really think they're going to be picky about where they're going to be picking that in the first round with that pick. I just think they won a first round pick for Sean Payton. But if they can't get that, if you're Arizona, if you're not willing to come off that fourth overall pick and Sean Payton wants to go to Arizona, if you're Mickey Loomis, you're not going to trade him inside the division to Carolina. Because, I mean, even though Carolina has a lot of great assets, do you really want to face off against Sean Payton? I mean, I doubt that. 
And then what if Dennis Allen doesn't work? You know, potentially, maybe next season, if you don't trade away Sean Payton, you still hold the rights to his deal or his contract, you can say, hey, Sean, come back. You get what I'm saying? We still own the rights to your contract. You want to coach, you might as well come and coach us up, and we're in a really good spot to get a quarterback. So I don't really think that New Orleans has as much leverage in this situation that a lot of people think. At the end of the day, they still have to sign off on whichever team Sean Payton wants to go to. But at the same time, they just can't trade him anyway. Sean Payton has the final say where he wants to go, where he wants to coach. And it has to be an ideal situation. All right? If he doesn't want to coach in Denver, they're not going to trade him to Denver. Because guess what? Then he can just say, F it. I'm just going to retire and wait wait for the deal to expire. So if you're New Orleans, I don't really think they're really in the ideal situation to play a hardball for Sean Payton. Let's be honest. New Orleans, they want some draft picks so they can try to get a quarterback. If you're the Saints, I think you should trade. You should take the best compensation possible. If the market for Sean Payton is a second-round pick and you don't get a first-round pick, are you really willing to let Sean Payton just sit, let his contract run out with you, come back to coaching, and then you get nothing in exchange for him? I think that the Arizona Cardinals don't have to give up a fourth, don't have to give up the fourth overall pick if they go about this situation smartly and correctly. If there's no player there that blows your mind or any outstanding prospect who you think is a franchise caliber player, then you trade down, get more picks, use one of those picks to trade for Sean Payton. I don't really think New Orleans is in a situation to play a hardball. If you get offered the first round selection for Sean Payton, you take it. Let me know what you guys think. Do you guys think that the Arizona Cardinals have to give up the fourth overall selection for Sean Payton?